0: Welcome back, Money in the Tank, episode 34. All on top of it today. A couple of fellas beaten down by the flu, but we're here. We're keeping to our word of Thursday recordings and keeping all our listeners up to date with all the news of what's going on in the world and Australia uh, predicated. So, uh, without further ado, let's introduce ourselves. So, Joel Seach, Principal Advisor, Harper LFG. Yeah, Brad Tavone,
1: Generalist. And Arnie, Tax Professional.
0: Welcome back, all. So we're here to talk all things finance with you guys, have a bit of fun along the way, and try to keep you informed and up to date of all the goings on uh, lately in the latest week of roundup. So uh, without further ado, let's uh, let's hit up some Rivkin's rules, um, and then we'll get stuck into some of the latest latest news and tidbits going on. Uh, alrighty, so page one hundred six of Rivkin's: Men and women are designed to be together, but not to live together forever. <laughs> no idea what that means or what it's. I'm oh, to not touching that. Book. No, uh, no from,
1: idea. from a personal finance perspective, I don't know what that's got to do with anything. Like, is no it, idea. Like, that's that in the book. book. That book's meant to book. be about. That's meant that's... to be about personal finance, isn't
0: it? That book. Uh, yeah, you think so? No let's, idea. Uh, move that one along. <laughs> all right. So let's go. Should we do Renee on life? Here we go. Renee that's on really life. Interesting. Here we go. Um, all right. So two on this one. Live with passion, uh, and then the second one is unless God is omnipotent. Omni- omniscient and benevolent. I am not interested. Therefore, there is no God.
1: Oh my God,
0: <laughs> Renee! And he's got Renee and the Baywatch team on a page here. <laughs> How's that? This guy's
2: just a classic, mate. Oh, I love. So and fun. it just shows, like the 90s yeah oh
1: my, yeah it's very dated well 80s
2: 90s it's it's just gold i it
0: love it pure gold the there's best. nothing to expand on that really There's so, um, nothing
2: to expand on any of that last three things nah. life is about passion people there we
0: go life is about passion absolutely so let's kick on with uh with all the goings on in the world there's been a bit bit happening the oh. last uh little bit of time so i guess the item of the week this week is uh the the big elephant in the room is interest rates and uh The RBA, which is the Reserve Bank of Australia, which is our central bank here, uh, raising the rates by 50 basis points, which is 0.51% from uh 2.85, uh, isn't it, from uh, it 0.35. Uh, so yep. they did, a yeah, it was 10 basis points to for a 25-point hike last month, uh, first Tuesday of every month. So they got it to 35 basis
2: points. was only a points.
0: 20 basis point hike. I
1: think mean, it was 0.15. No, okay. no. It, it was 0.25 because they went yeah. from was 10 okay. up to, 10 to 0.35. 10
0: to, 10 to 35 and then from oh, yeah, 35. 75 all up. Yeah, first yeah, Tuesday yeah, yeah. of this <laughs> month, they went up by a double rate hike. So usually a normal is a 25 basis points. They went by 50 basis points. So that took it to 85 basis points, um, which is starting to get back to, I guess, where we were pre-pandemic, which I messaged you guys about um, back in May of 2019. I think we interest rates I mentioned or I sent a screenshot was about 1.5 or thereabouts. It was reverting, kind of reverting to the mean essentially is where, you know, where interest rates were um, pre-pandemic
2: as all things do everything returns to the law of averages over time mm. yeah. yeah i mean i think all as of this morning all four banks big the big four in australia that have uh, passed it on
0: yeah so it was at one point it was at 1.5 percent um the user bank was 1.5 percent in may 2019 so essentially it's going back to or slowly getting back to or probably probably quickly actually as to yeah. where it was uh where are we now about three years ago they're about yep. similar time three years ago so um, I think the new
2: variable rate is about 5.3 is the kind of a Commonwealth at least uh, fixed rate
1: you mean or fixed rate
2: standard variable 5.3 Oh, uh, okay. before before discounts, yeah, yeah, so, before discounts and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, all obviously stuff, different yeah. banks choose different yeah. things, and all, all sorts of yeah. stuff.
0: kind of standard rate. Yeah. yeah, so fixed rates, fixed rates. You're probably a little bit late jumping in, you know, for fixed rates now because they've sort of come up, you know, and the rates, the the actuaries at the banks are
2: sort of already factoring in. Shout out to my sister rates. on that one. Yep, <laughs> <For> being I've been saying for about twelve months, and then she messed me the other day, going, "I think I'm too late." Yeah, it's probably too <laughs> late
0: missing the boat there. Uh, interest, fixed rates have, yeah, definitely ramped up now. But, uh, yeah, variable rates are still, you know, still lowish compared to what the average median or mean is over mm. a longer-term average. So, um, you know, with, with the media and whatnot, they're loving it at the moment with people being surprised at rate rises and, you know, extra payments. <laughs> it's like, it's it's, it's what, what do they expect was going to happen when you're at historical all-time lows of interest rates? Do they think they were just going to go continue to stay low or go low or go negative um yeah the, it's been you know, i mean it's,
2: it's i just find it hilarious the media side of things how quickly mm-hmm. they just jump on the bandwagon the whole fear mm-hmm. thing um it's been coming for ever yeah. and a day yeah um yeah. and you know they find the one couple i mean and only i have I've had a couple of people in my life <laughs> act a little bit surprised so i've got to say that but you know, the classic things in the news of, you know, new home buyers have $850,000 mortgage. (laughs) First time they ever bought, they bought in December and suddenly they're already, you know, 300 and whatever dollars shorter and they're already at there. But I mean, that is the, unfortunately due to housing prices increasing 25% over the course of the pandemic Mm. um, to all time highs. And um, a lot of borrowers kind of you know trying to get into the market it, it really has kind of i think even in the rbi notes there was a a comment on um i think the amount of like discretionary spending that's going to occur just from inflation. like monetary policy is going to pinch in oh, Australia. Yeah. yeah and i think there was a i was chatting with um my accountant last week or hamatex accountant, i should say at least my business accountant and he was uh he gave me a stat which kind of gave me a bit of a Oof, there's over 10 of um, of uh, home loans that is coming off uh, fixed in the next 12 months.
1: Ooh, really? Oh, so cool, yeah. Actually, that that probably makes Higher sense. Double digits,
2: or possibly low double digits, which made me go, "Oof." That's going kind to of, uh, also. It's not just like the now. Everybody, obviously, if that's coming off in 12 months' time, um, yeah. And mm-hmm. fixed, have never,
0: fixed have never been the, the preference. Like people, majority, I believe, has is, is generally been like the spread has been skewed a lot more heavily towards variable. But obviously fixed during that period, the last couple of years, people were like, OK, well, can't go much lower. So let's fix now. And, you know, when you're fixing, you usually fix two, three, four years, some do five, but you don't generally get too much more than that. Um, so, yeah, you'd expect, obviously, they'll come off and then people probably then just revert it back to, to the old variable, which was generally the majority of, of loans anyway. You know, my um,
1: situation, like I told you boys last week that like we did not fix, even though we saw it coming a mile away because we want to sell, and now mm-hmm. I'm eating those interest rate rises. Interestingly, um, Joel, you were mentioning that interest rates were up at about 1% in 2019. 1.5. 1. 1.5, 5. 1. 5, but the cash rate from the RBA... This is the first time they've lifted it since... i got it here in a note. First time they've lifted it since November 2010. Oh, back in last month, you mean? The first time they lifted? Yeah, sorry. So yeah. that one, yeah. when they, when they lifted it um, up to mm-hmm. 0.35 or whatever. That's the first time they've done it in... How long is that? 12 years. 12 years. Mm-hmm. It makes
2: sense. I mean, GFC. Um, yeah. yeah. And they started dropping, dropping, dropping. I mean, what did it start at? What did the cash rate start at back then, honey? I mean, quick Google. Uh, yeah. I, I, around yeah. kind of like... Uh, you know, at 0.85 at the moment, was it around kind of like fours? Mm, yeah,
0: then? you'd probably be right. maybe get snug up to the five, maybe. Maybe yeah. onto
2: the five. Because I remember yeah. like, in, um, I remember saving rates back then used to be. Yeah, you get a deposits at a decent rate. You get like, yeah, four to 6%. So I've got 2008,
0: so. 2008
1: data here. Yep. So September 2008, cash rate was seven. And then monthly after that, it dropped to six, then 5.25, then 4.25. So mm-hmm. obviously, so in
2: 2009, that was, yeah. I feel that's a good data point, though, in terms of if you have a look, to, you know, back from that point, Arnie, you know, back to early 2000s, I think if you looked at early 2000s to 2008, 2009, I think you'll find six, seven cash rate is probably the, uh, you know, bumping between the two. Um, Well, yeah, that
0: was sort of, you know, it was more the norm, like the norm back in the probably 80s or 90s. They always talk about double digits. and, And then, you know, your 2000s, it was kind of your, you know, your single digits, but skewing towards the above fives. And then, in the modern era, and you know today's rates, the you know the new norm could end up being a band between you know one and three percent. Like it's it sort of no that, one. That like that's the, I, yeah. think,
2: I think you know if we look at the U.S. and they're targeting you know about a three hundred basis point uplift mm. over the course of a year, and mm. you know a lot of people are saying they're going to do double fifties now, um, and then recalibrate um, probably to twenty fives. Um, I mean, we are probably heading towards a you know anywhere between a two and a four mm, cash mm, rate, and what yeah. that means, I mean, you know, RBA is different, Australia is different, different kettle of fish, you know, all the rest of it. Um, but a lot of the inflationary problems are the same in terms of a lot of cash out there, supply issues, um, a whole ream of things. Um, they're saying that you know there's two trillion dollars sitting on the sidelines in in personal bank accounts now, just in the US, um, and so kind of like the bottom end of town obviously going to get hit. <laughs> As they always do. Um, don't forget about
0: ice. Aus- don't forget about iceberg lettuce. If uh, if anyone's if anyone's got any iceberg dealers out there, let us know. Let <laughs> funny us know. you
2: actually. Funny you say that. I made fish burgers last week, um, and and I went and bought one. <laughs> I went out, I found some some lettuce to put in there. It was COS. It wasn't it wasn't the iceberg. No, not iceberg, not, not, it was yeah, just not the, Coz. the holy, not was the holy A baby cat of COS lettuce cost me $4.50. Because I put it through and i went, like, $4.50 for a baby COS lettuce. And I was like,
0: okay. We were at the shops the other day and Aaron just texted me casually saying, Can I get an iceberg lettuce? And I didn't know this whole hoo-ha was going on at the stage. So I've walked into Woolworths thinking, Oh, yeah, I'll just ask the young bloke here. And he sort of looked at me strange. He goes, "No, nah, mate, nah, no icebergs." I'm like, "Okay, well, I'm, <laughs> li- I'm late to the party." So then, but then I looked up on the shelf, and they had that two-dollar packet iceberg that was cut up, and there was like three packs left. And I thought, "Oh well, I'll get that, and that'll, that'll do the job." And little do I know, that could be the last iceberg I get for a while. The big news
1: it. this week has been KFC is changing. Yeah, cabbage. Audience. Mixing yeah, cabbage and in.
0: subway and subway got thrown the cabbage in there. So and Albanese
2: uh, came out saying this is a catastrophe, basically, and he's gonna, he's gonna, oh, he's gonna yeah. work on it all in right. the part of his emergency inflation team. Um, I do love that. Um, yeah, with that but, said, I had uh, I had cabbage this week on my on my pistacos. Um
0: we're all dealing with cabbage now. So. We're all dealing with <laughs>
2: with purple cabbage. Um, so I mean the the thing that I kind of look out for and, and you know chain to people is if if the new rate's gonna be between let's just say two and four percent. 200 and 400 basis points yeah rate. we still do have you know likely another one and a bit two two and a bit um on top of where we are at the moment and so yeah, if looking yeah. into the forecasting everybody and again we, this is not financial advice and we don't know what we're doing um but if you want to kind of a bit of an opinion um you know tr- if you're looking at your forward budgets and and stuff like that i wouldn't kind of dig your head into the sand he's kind of my i take yeah. a conservative approach because yeah, it's general general nature general nature if you're, writer, not, general general nature. Writer, if yeah. you're wrong you end up with more money anyway. So well, going to be a,
0: yeah, there's going to be a balancing act essentially that they the RBA is going to want to lift rates enough to keep to try to keep the inflation genie in the bottle, um, but they don't want to lift it up too much where it starts to create kind of issues in uh, debt management and repayments and stress you know huge stress testings and when you are getting mortgages they do factor in multiple interest rates on top of the rate you're paying at the time i think it's like a nine or a ten basis a ten times basis point carve out so it's sort of you know they're adding an extra three and a half or so uh four percent on top of you know what the rate you're actually getting it at at the time so they do stress test it and put it in there but then you're working in your real life budget so you need to yeah factor that in to, to, to that
1: Most pundits, and as Jolly would say, take this with a grain of salt or no salt at all. I forget what your your classic line was a couple of weeks ago, Jolly, but most pundits are saying, Brad and Joel, every quarter from now on will be another probably point, like 50 basis point hike until we get to around 2.5% then see what the economy is doing. And as Jolly said, as Jolly was sort of just hinted at, which we're going to talk about later, they're really trying to thread the needle of, you know, not slowing the economy too much and putting us into a stagflation scenario.
2: Yeah. And timings, I think timing's everything. And um, I was listening to, you know, my mate Jamie Diamond and uh, <laughs> JP Morgan. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, he's changed that, you know, headwinds are coming to a hurricane down the road. Yeah. Uh, we just don't know how, how, um, you know, how big it's going to be. I think there was a couple of interesting things that kind of he said that kind of made me go, okay, yeah, it's, 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 it's an interesting kind of, I know that these are balancing out with the reserve banks around the world, the central central banks um being kind of you know stuck between kind of like a, a rock and a hard place but we've never the thing that kind of stuck out for me was we've never been through quantitative easing right to the scale that we've just done so we had like obviously the gfc but like let's just carry the gfc on to now it's the last for like 14 yeah. years there's been quantitative easing we've never had the, the central banks have never had to kind of balance there's been no previous history of trying to curb inflation <laughs> whilst in the US, at least, doing quantitative tightening at $95 billion a month to try and unwind their balance sheet. And all central banks are going to be trying to do quantitative tightening. And what I mean about quantitative tightening, I guess, for the, for the tankers out there is quantitative easing with where the government was buying their own bonds and pumping money out there into the economy. Quantitative tightening happens after quantitative easing as, as central banks kind of tighten their balance sheets And what they do is they just let bonds and other securities, instead of rolling them over, they just kind of let them reach maturity. And when this happens, I guess the Treasury Department then removes it from its cash balance. Um, And you're seeing what kind of like 10-year bonds in the US as well, um, because they're trying to get rid of them because they've bought so many bonds. Um, The cash rate for bonds 10 years is about over 3% now. Right? Mm. They're having to pay over 3%. And so it's kind of like this. And I think it's kind of like trying to play that game where you're having to tighten up your because otherwise you know you're just pumping more cash into the economy and inflation but at the same time as doing monetary policy and, lo- and kind of increasing interest rates and then at the same time um a situation and another point that he kind of said that made me go Oof. actually someone else after him that said it but um same same kind of topic where historically for every 10 um, people unemployed there was six jobs across all markets six jobs and it's kind of one of the major labor statistics that this guy follows um the highest previously to now was 15 so for every Mm -hmm. 10 people there was 15 jobs available at the moment it's 24 jobs in the in the us and i know the australian economy is different but we have got a a labor labor crisis the same as and labor shortages um the same as as you know if not a little bit less a little bit more than the us but uh i was down in in docklands yesterday for a meeting uh colin street where the australian um kind of passport places and there has been for the last three weeks technical name technical name everybody <laughs> so when i went in there, when i went in there in march to pick up my passport because i had put mine through the uh the washing machine before <laughs> I went to patagonia as as brad does it's as so brad very, does very I to thing pay my know. extra fee and get it within 48 hours i just walked in there walked upstairs parked in the 15 minute spot and uh was able to pick up my passport and run out right mm. um yesterday when i was in there they said the average wait time was four and a half hours because they don't have enough people working in the passport office. Yeah, and so there was wow. a line of 250 people outside waiting to pick up a passport. Um, and so they're trying to balance at the moment, I guess, you know, uh, job uh, resource, like low unemployment, but at the same time, a mismatch of resources with quantitative tightening, with trying to get inflation on the thing. And so it's going to be threading a needle. He's, uh, quite, quite, the king,
0: quite the concoction, quite the cocktail of economic uh, inputs to, to balance so uh, and outputs to balance. So it's going to be a crazy time. And and just uh, last, I guess, last bit from mine on this before Arnie can wrap us up is uh, keep an eye out for when the, uh, the old government will jump in. And both parties love doing this is when <laughs> the RBA raise rates and the banks come out and say, we're going to pass on this or pass on that. Um it happens more when it's going down actually because they they pass on, you know, if the rates come down by 25 basis points and the banks get, you know, go down by 15 basis points, the government comes out and really yells at them. So um you wait and see if you if the banks put up, you know, any more interest on what the actual you know RBA goes up. You watch the you watch the government jump up and down and sort of tell them off like a toddler, um, what the <laughs> banks like the banks care or even give a crap what the government says, but uh, they love kind of showing face like that and sort of saying, you know, don't do that. You know, we want to, we're here for the people and um, the big bad banks are the the baddies. But uh, that's always, a, I always have a chuckle at that because so I. Uh, the government has no real control over, you know, the, the the banks, what they do with their interest rates. And just like they have no real control of what the RBA does with interest rates yet. they'll. And they of, shouldn't, yeah. right? That's, <laughs> I think that's the key is <laughs> like,
2: they are supposed to be independent. So for everyone out there, tankers... When you read Free that, market economy. <laughs> it's yeah. Free market economy. The bank, the central banks, and the banks are supposed to be able to do what they do. They're independent. Yeah, exactly. You know so- what?
1: Like, anecdotally, I've had a few people say to me during the week, like, "Why is the government doing this?" So it's a funny point that you raise. that It's not the government doing this. It's you know, an independent body, the Reserve Bank of Australia, who is doing this. The RBA, and they're doing it for good reason. So, like, as I was, talking, I was going to use, it, like, say this for the the finance roundup, just talk about stagflation, but. In general, the reason they're doing it, as you have both alluded to and I've alluded to, is they're worried about a slowing economy, um, but they also need to try and address the the, the part of the equation for inflation that they can address. And at the moment, they can't address the supply side, so they're addressing the demand side, and they're doing that by raising interest rates. So it's, it's necessary pain that we're all having to go through, otherwise you're going to have inflation run rampant, the cost of living rise further than it already has. With the potential to harm our currency, and then you know, as Brad was saying the other, the other week, he was in Chile and now, but some ridiculous uh, inflation figure you were saying, Brad. So it's just like it's one of these things where no one likes paying extra money. No one likes raising interest rates. No one likes um, paying ten bucks uh, iceberg lettuce or, having a, or
2: 450 having a for a little or little
1: having cost. a deal with
0: having a deal with cabbage on their fish burgers.
1: I don't mind a bit of cabbage. Let's not make cabbage the end of the year, but it's just, um, but you know, anecdotally, I've heard people say no, that no. it's like you, it's a good thing. So you get run to away, understand. everybody.
2: You only have to look at Sri Lanka, Turkey, Pakistan, Argentina. I can swear, like there is, and these countries, like Turkey, is not a small country. Its economy was bigger than Australia. So Spain, Spain, Spain. I mean, like, Argentina, it's hundred thirty five million people. These yeah. are these are not like downtrodden, you know, third world. <laughs>
1: And the, problem, the, the thing they're trying to do, and the reason they're going hard and fast is there's no surefire science to this. Yeah, if they raise interest rates, it's going to be short-term pain. The reason they do it, though, is that if you do not raise them hard and fast, you run the risk of having inflation baked into our economy and being with us for a longer period of time. So hopefully, if we have a combination of interest rates rising and then the supply chain pressures easing over the course of the next 24 months things will get back to a relatively good space for us, fingers crossed. Fingers uh, fingers
2: crossed, because at the end of the day, I think we'll end up on this. Having cabbage in your burger (laughs) (laughs) is better than what I saw for seven weeks in Argentina speaking to people where they literally have to plan day to day. I would take cabbage in my burger over that. (laughs) Yeah,
0: so yeah, inflation, yeah. The government or the RBA wants certainty. They want some consistency. You don't want to be worrying about what your cost of lettuce would be from day to day or what your cost of wine would be. I think as Brad mentioned to at the restaurant one night, it was 20 bucks. What next night it was 30 bucks. Um, you want consistency because that's, you're able to then plan out your lives. So I guess what the government's got to do now what they will try to do is they'll try to control and work on, you know, what's uh, wages are going to be from union side of things and what, um, you know, how all those things will factor into inflation as well because they'll pull some levers, levers from their end, which look can... at the physical
2: side, right? This is physical mm. and monetary.
0: Yeah, and then obviously, as I've said in numerous podcasts, they want to try to get the opening of the economy back up for tourism and working visas and tourist visas and all those things because they all play a vital role in helping the economy um, rebound and and help that supply chain issue of uh, from staff shortages anyway in particular. So
2: yeah, I think that that mm. that, that um, visa, working visas for our kind of produce is going to be because we're a net exporter of, of produce. Mm. So so I think that's going to be the key to the uh, the lettuce. Hopefully
0: that wraps up the uh, hopefully that wraps up a bit of the interest rate topics of uh, and inflation topics of this week, guys. Any questions on that? Feel free to reach out and yeah. yell out and, and hit us up, Arnie.
1: Yeah, get us at Money in the Tank on YouTube, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I think I might title this episode the the saga of the iceberg lettuce. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> or you know. cabbage. Yeah, please send us in any, any any comments, questions, feedback,
0: or or just say or, hi. or the most you've paid for some iceberg lettuce. We'd love to know that as well. Yeah. What's the most you paid for <laughs> for a bag of that two dollar iceberg lettuce? Is that going up? What's the what's the most you paid? Have you taken any leaves off the shelf? Have you gone through the grocery aisle and taken a few cap, uh, iceberg lettuce leaves in your trolley? Feeling um, a few iceberg lettuce leaves. <laughs> it's the new green. It's the new green gold. And if you've got any good deals, let us know. Thanks. Yeah, let us know. So, um perfect. Uh, next topic, we want to touch on Arnie? Yeah, we're going to move on to the crypto roundup.
1: Crypto Brad, roundup. and then Can after I, that,
2: uh, have the screen.
1: Uh, after that, Absolutely. yeah. After that, we'll do a bit of a finance roundup, and I'll do another rapid fire news headlines, which I've got handy here as well.
2: Nice. Yep,
0: no worries. So Brad is now the host. He'll share screen for the people watching us on, uh, I guess, YouTube's the platform people watch us on.
2: Correct. Otherwise, I'll just I'll, I'll talk to it anyway. Crypto roundup. So, uh, as usual, CoinMarketCap, having a look at the week that has been. Um, your top 15, 15 coins. I think Shiba just sneaks in there at the bottom, Arnie. Yes. Uh, Get in there, Shib.
1: Oh, wait, so I can't see it. Where is it? It's, not on the it's right, at 16. The <laughs> right
2: at the bottom. 16, right the bottom. Um, right at the bottom. Look, pretty pretty flat week. Uh, the only one is uh, that's really, really shooting for the stars is uh, my little ADA, which is up about 14% for the week. I think I've talked about this one for the last few weeks, but um, continues to get a bit of, uh, of strength. There's a lot of money pours in from, from different networks, um, but pretty pretty flat week overall in terms of uh, prices. They've just been kind of volatile, as you can see on the right hand side here, a bit of up, down, up, down, up, down. Uh, between Bitcoin's sitting between about 28, 29,000 and about 32,000 at the moment in that band, and has been for a couple of weeks now. Um, in terms of uh key kind of you know bits of information over the last week just got a few um us senators uh have introduced a new crypto bill outlining sweeping plans for future roles uh rules so roles and rules i should say um it's a kind of a wide reaching bipartisan um, bill introduced um where they're seeking to kind of extend on the regulations that they've got now um the, it's not, it's not, it's been put up there and it's probably going to be discussed for the next year. Um, but it's a very good starting point um, where they're basically looking to not, you know, put any transaction that's less than $200 and make it tax free, uh, potentially clearing a path for cryptocurrency to act more like money and currency. Um, so at the moment, if you sell and buy cryptocurrency, even under $200, um, even in Australia, um, the CGT implications if you bought it here and you you sold it here. Um, And so they're starting to say, well, you know, transactions less than $200 if you buy and sell and use it for that. There's no tax implications to try and turn it more into a currency um, and granting new powers uh, to the Commodity Futures Trading Commission rather than the SEC. So this is just important because generally what happens in the EU and America around regulation, people look at it from all around the world um, and it, it kind of does can influence things um so it's just one to uh one to watch um and new york state which is you know again it's only a state in america but kind of new york state um regulation kind of does uh hold a bit of bit of weight in the global side of regulation as well Uh, they've released some guidance for dollar backed stable coins so they've come out and basically said these are the um redeemability what reserve capital reserves you need um attestation um, that a stablecoin must be fully backed by reserves um, and then kind of, you know, it has to be, the reserves have to be segregated from proprietary assets. And so what all this means, Tankers, is, you know, with Luna and algorithmic stablecoins stable losing so much kind of value and, 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 and kind of everyday people's money from it not being necessarily backed by... Uh, <laughs> he's laughing there my hundred my hundred no, ninety dollars ninety (laughs) nine dollars and probably ninety three cents at this point but uh, uh, (laughs) no or hundred because that (laughs) turned off Um, is that you know if you're if you're utilising stable coins and you're in the state of of New York now you've got to uh, any stable coin that you're using has to be backed by money and has to be segregated away from other assets you can't be using kind of bonds and all sorts of things to be saying that you've got your capital requirement so I guess it's just it's turning it much more into a um, a regulated it's saying that it, it's okay and it's got its place and it. they want to keep using it but at the same time here are some regulations around it to stop what happened happening and so how will they,
1: of, how will they enforce that Brad have they talked about it or is it just speculating because like if they're just New York State right like how are they going to tackle something like tether?
2: Yeah so um, look Tether so what New York State is saying is that like tether because it's not dollar backed, and um, the reserves aren't segregated because they use heaps of underlying different kind commercial of asset paper. classes. Yep, yeah, correct. Um, and what they're saying is that the use of Tether in, if you're in New York won't be allowed anymore because it doesn't meet regulations. Now, how can they enforce that, right? Is, you know, um, they're, they're investing a lot more money into uh, blockchain analytical companies. Um, and because they've got KYC on the majority of the... Exchange and the rest of it you can still get around it with like cold wallets and if you're not ever touching the exchange and the rest of it but a lot of the um a lot the majority of people that i know you know move money to to exchanges you know whether it's kraken coinbase binance QCoin, all the rest of it they've all got kyc and so if you ever touch that the analytical tools can, can, can kind of pick it up um whether or not they enforce it i think what they're going to be doing is more enforcing the stable coins um, and so what they do um, and what they've done in the past with tether is um, they've you know obviously they find Tether it was a, it was New York that actually fined Tether along with SEC um, originally and what they make them do is a monthly audit signed off by accountants um, now Tether supposedly you know like I said have been used kind of a bit of a mixy bag now that it's kind of specific and saying that it's dollar backed um, so like USDC has kind of like the premium um, audit that comes out with full transparency every month every month of here are the amount of stable coins here's our dollar backs um and so i think it's just going to form just like any other financial audit on companies
1: very interesting oh watch that space tankers
2: yeah watch Absolutely. space yeah. so uh that is crypto for the week thanks
1: bro no yeah that's a good one mate um do you want me to do my rapid fire headlines jolly or have you got something you want to discuss
0: rapid fire rapid fire or sort of medium fire
1: I'll, I'll go medium fire. We can discuss if you want to. If we can discuss along the way, medium fire. Rapid fire is too fast. You
0: bring
2: up, you bring up your mate
1: as well. My mate Elon. I haven't yeah. got anything. Elon. But oh. like,
0: I could work him in here. Don't worry. <laughs> no, no,
2: no. He sent a letter, right? He sent a letter on Twitter. Did Twitter. he? he I, sent I, a letter yeah. Twitter. Yeah. I'm, I'm not across like the last couple of days. Oh, he's still, look, he's, he's still trying to.
0: He's still trying to bargain down the price. I think he's he sent a letter saying he's not happy with. Uh... Uh, was it the the legality of their agreement um with the disclosure or non-disclosure of bots still so he's still trying to push that way and supposedly
2: twitter came back and said that they're going to comply with elon Musk's demand for for data on fake accounts because he basically said you prove to me that it's not more than five percent and they're coming back with data so so we've got got to mention elon well sorry i
1: i did know that his lawyers are saying that Twitter was making it um, really hard. Like they were like putting roadblocks up for him to get the information. So interesting to hear they're going to come back. And Mm.
2: this is as of five hours ago, though. And it came out this morning in the US.
1: Oh, gee, I wonder what the share price of Twitter is going to do because people have been like hot and cold on that arbitrage opportunity. And uh, if it still goes through at 54.20, it's such a gamble.
2: Arbitrage, I I like to call it a gamble.
1: Yeah, same (laughs) as the uh, the Microsoft Activision one. What's the share price, Brad? Uh, So when it
2: came, when that news came out, I'll, I'll
1: carry on while you look. You carry yeah, when on, the news mate, when came out, it went
2: from down to up a percent. It's only moved a percent.
1: But well, what's the price at the moment for Twitter?
2: Forty dollars and forty-four cents USD. And
1: man, that's a fair—that's a fair swing away from fifty-four twenty. Still, could be worth a small gamble. Anyway, uh, not financial advice, generally nature. Yeah. <laughs> Do your own research. <laughs> um, And if you can't tell by my lunar investment, I don't mind a bit of a punt. So, and Arnie,
2: you've got um, you've got my. Uh, you can read my headlines as well, mate.
1: Oh, yeah. I'll read the headlines. Well, let me just do the rapid fire ones first and then we can talk about those other interest ones. So there's a Chinese property developer, Country Garden, set to open 1.7% down because Fitch has placed a negative rating on it. So there's more of this news coming out from China about their property developers. Um, Also, China, there's a COVID virus. (laughs) They, They reckon the wind is blowing COVID virus from North Korea into China. So have you guys heard this news? No. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's a bit of an interesting one. So they've got concerns there about manufacturing again. So it's got practical applications. Apple to handle um, its oh, own just, lending.
2: So just, let's re- replay that one for me. And the tankers, the Chinese government is saying that the winds. Yeah, the wind blowing is blowing COVID from COVID North Korea. From North Korea into China.
1: Spot on, mate. So yeah, so they're a bit worried about how, how it's going to affect uh, jobs in China and their lockdowns and things like that. So
2: they're great. Yeah, it's inter-
1: <laughs> But um Apple, Apple, have you heard about the buy now and pay later? Apple said they're going to handle yep. their own financing themselves, doing away with their traditional financing company they've used for their Apple Pay and Apple wallets. So
2: turns out Apple has about $290 billion sitting on the sidelines and went, hmm, we're pretty well capitalized to be able to probably offer our own.
1: <laughs> yeah, they got a lot of cash. And I think they there was talk about them doing a the deal with Square for their in app payments as well. That which which might link up to um, Afterpay, which was what Square acquired. So I, I want to get more information about that.
2: And crypto with Square.
1: Crypto with Square. Oh, couldn't you buy crypto? You think I'll be able to buy crypto through Square's the Square's kind of
2: future? So that's why Dorsey kind of left Twitter and went back to Square.
1: Yeah, I'm aware of that, but I'm sort of and thinking from that the
2: Oh, but what I mean is they're looking to integrate Square into Apple more. And Square's big future is big is around kind of crypto payments. I think there's a there's a big play there. Just
1: that's interesting, and the last bit of news I've got, boys, for rapid fire, is Volkswagen actively looking to build new EV and battery facilities in the US of A. So well, that's pretty uh, rapid fire, I think. Yeah. Well, that well, you, yeah. you said medium fire, I could go faster.
0: Yeah, was, <laughs> no, that was rapid. That was rapid. Well, <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, that's what I'm going to try and do in in the in the, no, in, in the finance round, and then we can discuss a few of the ones. So, Brad, you had a very interesting story about uh that you shared with the boys and it was the fact that only fans creators not the top tier ones but mo- well, i guess all of well, them some
2: of the top tier ones are, they've gone uh, from six figures a month six figures a month down to a mere only 30 thousand for those top ones mate and the other ones so they're down 50 60 in revenue and they're stating that the discretionary spending is um around the world and the tightening of belts is hurting them
1: yeah, well, you and I were talking a couple of weeks ago. I think it was one with Jolly. Miss yeah, about how what, we're what looking was the at... Twitter handle of that person then? Oh, God, I can't remember the name of that chick who said the strip club. I think it was reverse club. something. Reverse um, Cowgirl 69 yeah, yeah,
2: I think that's what it was. <laughs> but it,
1: geez, I don't know if you missed, you missed this one, Jolly, but this yeah, we found this tweet from a stripper saying she it's something like, uh, they say the strip club, the strip club's are leading uh, indicator of recession, and I'm telling you all, we're in a recession, <laughs> and, uh, and I've
2: had two friends forward me the same article over the last three weeks. So I've gone, you guys a lot. You guys should go back to our podcast. We mentioned that three weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> so we're, look,
1: we're looking at a tick of Rick R I C K, which owns a lot of those venues in America, and this is not a joke. We're looking at it as a, as, a, as a as a recession indicator in America. So yeah, only pan, only fans. Um, what do you want to call them? Contributors. Uh, what do you, I don't know what the politically correct term is, but they're feeling the pinch in the pay and uh, people aren't, haven't got as much discretionary income as they once did. And that's what services like that, that are going to, they're going to take a hit.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I think it. the only one was just interesting because it does, it's discretionary, like generally money that people are pumping into these services and not all of them are pornographic. So uh, it's just that, you know, as these services have probably I'm sure that YouTube tips and discord, whatever's and Twitch, whatever's they're all uh, probably, probably suffering. So um he also have to cash
1: for around, and the other the other one you were going to touch on, Brad, True. was yeah, noble, noble gases. Yeah, please think,
2: do. Yeah, so noble gases. Um, so Russia about four days, five days ago now, um, have put a ban on export of noble gases, and I thought oh, noble gases sounds very noble and quite. You know, what are these noble gases? And um, turns out neon <laughs> is one of the main noble gases, and I think we've touched on this before for tankers. But if you haven't, if you don't know. Neons a key component in the lasers that actually um, make the semiconductors or help print the semiconductors, and the more accurate the lasers, the more neon they need. And so it's it's a top end of semiconductors, um, and we're already in a semiconductor sh- kind of supply shock and shortage around the world. Um, and now that neon gas and Russia makes uh, you know between Ukraine and Russia, but about seventy percent of all neon gases. And so again, it's not one of those things that so neon gas. Um, again just for general knowledge because i'm a generalist um (laughs) neon gas is something that's all over the world um but i think in the air like of the air that we breathe it makes up about 0.00035 and so you need massive um basically air purification uh you know processing machines to suck up massive amounts of air to actually capture enough um neon and in russia so no one can really kind of fight with russia because they had it from the soviet union as a part of their steel manufacturing and um and so no one could kind of meet them on price but it is one of those things that i think with kind of globalization and the things that we're talking about where countries are going to start having to rely on themselves again i think it's just kind of watch your space but it's probably going to be another one two year kind of supply shock unless of course like a good friend of mine andy this morning said Imagine if this just like, you know, one day Putin woke up dead and they just said, I'll oh, let all this get along and like, you know, let's, let's lift all the tariffs and get along. That'd be a nice world, wouldn't it? And, um, you know, not getting into politics here, but um, unless there's some kind of, you know, major like... changes there, I think, you know, the neon supply, because really Russia makes the majority of it, um, is going to hit semiconductors quite hard. But good news, I am not all about bad news. Uh, good news, Russia came out yesterday um, in tandem with Turkey. Um, and have stated that in, a, in conjunction with Turkey, they're going to start um, allowing the free flow of Ukrainian wheat into the, the broader global markets. And now I'm not sure if this is because Russia are taken their Navy away <laughs> from the Black Sea ports because um, certain countries have just delivered uh, anti-Navy uh, missiles, or if they're trying to play a good guy at the same time and say, well, we're not trying to uh, hurt the world with... Kind of food shortages, um, and wheat being kind of one of those key things. So, what's the price of wheat, people? We've talked about it going up, but um, if Ukraine starts pumping back into the markets, we may see a positive. So, one bit of positive news. I like it,
0: mate. It's good to have a balance of positive and negative, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I usually am more of a pessimist, but I'm all about optimistic news when it's there. Bit of glass half full. Bit of
1: glass half full.
2: Bit of glass half full.
1: When you deal with news, I feel like it's very hard to find uh, you know optimistic news. Quite often, it's mainly pessimistic because it gets the clicks, you know.
0: Well, that's the thing. I think we try to sort of dispel a lot of the headline myths that uh, that you know the news media and aggregators will try to 100%. push on people. We try to sort of read between the lines, and that's that's sort of what we aim to do: is to try to bring the people the truth and a bit of the uh, between the lines of what we are trying salt. to sort of say with a headline. And yeah, grain of salt, <laughs> absolutely. Grain
2: <laughs> of salt.
0: Cool, guys. Perfect. So... Onto our new favorite
1: segment, my new favorite segment anyway. Wow. Which is,
2: I was about to say, I mean, you can't say everyone's favorite new segment. It's
1: my new favorite segment. Where in the world is Brad Santibono? Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> where am I,
2: Arnie?
1: That's it. Well, that looks like a I forget the name of those things, a a, a pet pedag- No. Yeah, but where am
2: I? You got oh, you're, really.
1: you're in Japan, Japan for yes. sure
2: not really sure why the old message here comes in when uh, it, can, it goes
1: with you around the world
2: <laughs> it literally does it's come yeah. from the u.s uh, to australia so uh <laughs> it literally does follow me pagoda. Pagoda. Um, this is uh, back this is um yeah just outside tokyo actually um sorry this fuji now in the back um so here in 2019 and um in japan <laughs> of all places and the reason why we're talking about japan is because during this week um you know one of the content sources that kind of i follow uh visual politics put out a very interesting piece on the um the drop in the power of the yen. so we travel around this bradley sansbono just goes to all the places that he's been around <laughs> the world this i think we've got about 64 shows uh <laughs> lined up. And uh, this discusses something about kind of a bit of financial news around what's happening there and, um, you know, what opportunities there are always, there's always an opportunity people, uh, general advice in nature, don't follow, do your own research, uh, all of that kind of stuff. Um, but when we're talking about Japan, a um, couple of, couple of key things and Jolly, do I have the, um, the power of, of share screens still? I do. I you do, mate. Excellent. Excellent. So um, Japan, couple of, couple of fun facts real quick. Um, least foreign investment out of any country in the world Yep, yep i know they were a close society but seeing as they're like a top five economy i didn't really think they'll be the least in the world but uh there you go least foreign investment in the yeah, world they're,
0: they're big to themselves the japanese they're, they're very much of, to they're happy for you to visit
2: but they don't really want you to stay yeah, well they want you to visit <laughs> but they also don't want you to go into certain places because there's yeah. actually signs that say japanese, <laughs> japanese only, only. Yeah. Um, and yeah. no, they want to keep they want to keep their culture is, they keep yeah. their
0: culture yeah to them. i was at um, a, so- a conference yesterday interesting tidbit for japanese the life expectancy of the <laughs> japanese people is far greater than a lot of the other OECD countries i think it's it was by a, a number of about five
2: or six years
0: yes, so yeah so five
2: six years something yeah. in the water
0: in japan yep.
2: yep and compared to russia it's actually like 10 um truth average male i think in japan's like 82 and russia's at 72 so yeah um so it's one of the most important currents in the world because it is one of the largest economies in the world um it's lost one fifth of its buying power of the Japanese yen against the US dollar in a year. Um, And so there's a couple of things going on there, everybody. Um, 10 year, I think we mentioned before, 10 year government bonds in the US are going 3% or higher in return, where the Japanese government is coming out with a policy of trying to keep it at 0.25%. And why is that a problem? Um, Because people are starting to say, well, if I've got Japanese yen, I better swap it over to the USD, which creates demand for the USD because getting 0.25% of my money versus 3% of my money doesn't sound like a very good idea. <laughs> um, also, they're doing this by kind of um, also buying their own bonds, uh, kind of what quantum Easing was and Japan has been doing this for forever and a, and a day. Um, and government debt is stands at a nominal uh, 240%. And so they're a little bit afraid over in Japan. Another reason is because if um, basically the, the bond rate goes up by one to one and a half percent or 100 or 150 basis points, it's an extra $120 billion a year to finance their government debt. Um, yeah. And yeah, they've always
0: had an issue there with an ageing economy and not enough kind of regeneration of, of, of young people and not enough consumer Demographics spending. is
2: playing out Japan ahead of the rest of the world. Yeah, so they've the always the had... catching up.
0: Yeah, for many, many years now, they've always had that issue. So They had like well, a
2: massive boom. Whenever it had a boom after World War II, they really had a boom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, the government over there also thinks that exports are the only way to really keep the, the most important thing to the economy. A few funny stats, though. Japan makes up seven of their economy, 17 percent is exports. The U.K. is 25 percent, and Germany's 47 percent, and they're not looking to weaken their currency to increase exports. So for tankers, if you have a weak currency, suddenly your exports are cheaper on, on the market. So if it's only 50 cents, Australian dollar versus the U.S versus today, 72 cents, you know. You're saving a large chunk um, to pay buy the same products in Australia because you buy them in Australian dollars. Mm. Um, and so the Japanese still kind of think wheat yen equals cheaper export. Um, and they're also trying to fuel uh, inflation because they've been stuck in, <laughs> The economy has been stuck for, for quite a while. Um, but kind of just lastly, share a couple of uh, interesting uh, pictures. So, this is over the last, so they really started putting this policy in in 2012. Hopefully, everyone can see. I'll try and zoom in. Oh, it looks good, mate. Yep. So, this is the trade balance, and they they want to get their trade balance positive, right? Because they believe that exports are a huge part of the economy, and um, they don't want to be bringing over the last 12 years. They've been basically, um, I think they've reduced the yens over the last 10 years. The yen has lost 40% of its value, so not one fifth, 40%. But they're still in trade deficits. And I think that's a, an important one to kind of take into account because their policy has been going for 10 years. Um, and another thing that they're probably in a bit of trouble with, or some possible headwinds um, in conjunction with, you know, a wiki, is that today 20% of their exports, their biggest export market is across to China. And Chinese and Japan, Japanese geopolitics is probably the worst it's ever been. And China's actually slowing down. Mm. Um, and so what this means is that, you know exports there the whole idea about exports being the the key thing to their economy um there's probably some headwinds there with china and, and it's buying power as well um and then if you just sprinkle a little bit of uh this thing called energy costs which which you know japan does import a lot of natural gas from us and from the OAE and um, gets it at a fixed price and they use natural gas as a big amount of their energy but their energy resources outside of that um especially manufacturing are going up as well um, and capital investments going down. And so it's, it's kind of an opportunity, you know, again, you know, where does the opportunity lie? A, a you can just take this information and just add it to your, uh, add it, sprinkle it into your, your list of other just general information when you're making some decisions around the world. But um, you can actually uh, look at, you know, I think Arnie asked you in the week, how do you, how do you short the, the Japanese economy? And um, kind of did a bit of research out there and spoke to some friends in Singapore and kind of, um, there's a company called ProShares, um, which is probably one of the biggest, um, you know, ETFs. It's a daily one, so it looks to kind of uh, use debt to negatively, um, to basically short the overall markets and tries to get about a one or two x negative on on the day. Um, and it's a daily, so you can kind of stay dip your money in there, and um, if you're an active manager and uh, leave it in there as long as, because it's target is daily though, because it can have like you know a, a adverse effects outside of that daily, but there's these is opportunities, and I think last share I'm going to put up is um is that and just the performance of just to kind of give you know the tankers out there a bit of an idea around um the performance of said fund. What are you your, with,
0: general right? general
2: in nature this one, Brad? Gen- oh, it's a, well, it's general in nature. Um, I'm not recommending this fund at all. I'm just kind of giving a, a an objective view of um. Over the last kind of twelve months, we're sitting at about thirteen eighty. Got down to a low of about eleven forty seven, and we're back up to about seventeen thirty one over the last twelve months. As their currency is devalued, and as kind of you know other things in the world, energy prices have gone up, the war, China, and the rest of it. There's obviously uh, the return on on the shorting um, fund, which is the ultra short MSCI Japan pro shares fund. Uh, ticket
1: EWV. yeah just can i can i jump in there because i want to just add a little bit of my own thoughts to this and um maybe a general nature not financial advice but i'll give you i'll give you my own sort of um rationale which is leading me to analyze this or do a bit of research into this brad you were mentioning that japan sees themselves as like an export strong economy and that's how they want to be like they want to be an exporter and bring their money that way but if you think about what they export, like the bulk of their things, it's, it's electronics or it's consumer it's high goods, end. right? Yeah, high-end consumer goods. Electronics. And they've taken that mantle back. Yeah, they have. But like that's as we were discussing before, like as as there's rising cost of living, rising cost of energy around the world, Resources. and they're going to have to rely on um, imports with a weaker currency, but less exports because people are buying less of those discretionary goods. I just like, It's just a, a recipe for disaster over the, over the short term that I see with Japan. So thinking about what's a good way to expose yourself to the short side, Brad just showed that ticker, it's general in nature, and yeah, that, that ETF rebalances to try and get daily moves, so it's probably not good for uh, a really long-term hold, but it's just something that I've, I've been thinking about lately, and it's, um, yeah, that, that economy, I feel like they're in a bit of trouble, and it's going to be a bit of a canary in the coal mine, perhaps, for other economies that have a similar model.
2: Yes. Just like Sri Lanka's kind of issues at the moment, um, are a bit of a canary in the coal mine for oh, about 20, 25 economies that have gone through a similar debt crisis to them and political crisis. I think, you know, there's a few canaries. Now, Japan is very unique. Yeah, <laughs> But are. at the same time, I think uh, the economy is huge. And at the end of the day, I mean, what is the uh, size of the Japanese economy, everybody? W- what number are they?
1: I don't know. I, that's a good Number two, ten?
2: three, top I'm going to say. I'm going to say three. Jolie? Top guess.
1: 10, top 10, five to 10. And Arnie? Uh, I'm going to put them at like, like I don't know, eight or nine. I don't yeah, think they're... they're, they're, just... they're 3 uh, three. So three? United
2: States, number one. Yeah. <laughs> China, number two. Japan, number three. And Germany, number four. And Japan is uh, sitting at about a five trillion economy. And Germany's at 3.85. And then United Kingdom, 2.76. And then India, 2.66. So it's about double India. There you
1: go. Uh, Looking for them to drop out of that top
0: three spot. Yeah.
1: No
2: offense, Japan. No offense. Yeah. You'd expect it. Um, in wrapping up
0: today, Arnie, do we have any 50-50s today um, to throw up?
1: We don't have an official 50-50. Collingwood or
2: Melbourne for...
1: Uh... oh Queen's Birthday match. Queen's I love birthday. this one. Birthday. The Queen's Ds coming on... well, I think with
2: Jolly kind of as the uh, the the neutral vote here. Right? No, no, Jolly goes for the Ds. Oh.
1: <laughs> can't you see my picture in the background, mate? Look at the premier's oh, picture in the background, mate. For the sake of Brad's a pie supporter, so this is going to be all an easy one. I'm, all all right. I'm obviously going to back in the D's just to get you know to rebound off the losses and all the bad news about May and Melksham in the media. So yeah, I'm going with the D's. Good old frothy's May. Uh, what are you looking, uh, yeah,
0: D's D's to bounce back, mate. Big Queen's birthday. You guys got us last year, Brad. So uh, we owe you one. So um, hey, look, guys,
2: I, I said I said Carlton against Collingwood. I'm- we won that one. Yeah, I'm no, gonna no, pie pie. You know good match. I'm probably going to say D's. It'll be, <laughs> it'll, be,
0: it'll be a good match. Pies are in probably better form than we are, so, uh, but I think the odds are same, album But yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how it all transgresses
2: on uh, transpires on Monday. I we we're going to go three D's here, boys. <laughs> sacrilege. sacrilege oh, sorry, so been, uh... <laughs> uh,
0: well, thanks for all the listeners. Uh, next week, uh, keep uh, keep an eye out for us. I'm sure we'll have some uh, great Q and A's and Arnie just to tell the tankers where to get us again. Keep sending them in, guys
1: at marina tank youtube twitter facebook instagram yep
0: i'll always try to get to them and um keep well look forward to seeing you all next week
1: cheers guys Cheers.
0: cheers